from beautiful downtown Southern Maryland. It's time for Gears of Resistance episode number 87 for December 2nd, 2018. It has been a few months as usual and uh, we're just going to do decided to do one today because why the heck not? Uh, it's Sunday and it's a lazy day and all the chores are done and there's been some news and some stuff I had been wanting to write about. Um, and so instead of writing about it, we'll talk about it. And that way I can placate my desire to uh, talk and hear myself speak. All right. With that, let's go ahead and jump into some things. Well, actually, so what have I been doing? Um, outside of actual work kind of stuff, we've been, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. And uh, I'm kind of addicted. I'm not going to lie. There's an addiction to it. It's a uh, Grand Theft Auto open world meets the Wild West. And uh, I was... I was I don't play a lot of games um, because life, uh, but I was, was, was a few months ago, I was debating was I was going to get Fallout 76. I played the previous Fallouts and I kind of like it. Um, played Grand Theft Auto before, kind of like it. Never played the original Red Dead Redemption. Uh, and I don't play, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a video game I've actually ever completed. Maybe the original Mario Brothers was the only game I've actually as far as I can recall, I've ever completed. I get ADHD with, with games, and I'm like, eh, I'm done. So, um, anyway, I've been playing that, and it is actually, it's pretty pretty good. Uh, and I guess I haven't played Fallout 76, but I guess I made a good decision. It seems like uh, there's a lot of upset people uh, with that. But anyway, uh, that's just a little glimpse into the boring side of life, or the resting side of life, or the whatever side of life, but... Let's talk some open source hardware, some cyber stuff, some Steam topics. And uh, pardon me as I eat my uh, pineapple as well. I'm trying to get healthy. I'm like trying to do the end of the year before the new year, new year resolutions, like end of year resolutions. That way I can say that I did it all the way through the year from when I made the, res uh, made the new year's or end of year's. Um, what uh, resolution? So I feel I feel good about myself. I say, hey, December second. I said for the rest of the year, I'm going to eat healthy, exercise, and if I do it all the way through the end of the year, which is like 29 days, I'll feel good about myself. At least that's the theory. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Let's jump into it. First story: California to regulate Internet of Things technology. Um. If I can bring it, why is it not? You know how every time you want to do something, and when you do it, it doesn't want to work. Anyway, um, so my, uh, well, actually, we'll, we'll talk about that and what the solution is. Anyway, so uh, California to regulate, this comes from PlanetZen, uh, planetcitizencombinedtogether.com. Um, it is a bill that I guess here in this past election season here in the U.S., um, 
could become a uh, legislative standard for the rest of the United States. It was California Senate Bill SB 327, Information Privacy, colon, Connected Devices. It aims to establish basic security rules for the collection and processing of personal information from connected devices. This law also applies to connected vehicles, including most passenger cars sold today. It has been demonstrated that without proper protection, a connected car can become a severe security risk. For instance, a hacker might use the vehicle's connectivity to gain control of its systems. That's a little bit... I mean, it's certainly possible. I think that's a little bit less if you've if you've actually seen what it takes to do some of these hacks but then again you know um the amount of connectivity in vehicles yes will be only increasing over time uh it certainly won't get less so uh, i guess california uh again being the home of silicon valley that lives with um you know this is kind of like their their front their front lawn um i guess they're trying to be proactive we'll see it's one of those things where certainly I think living in a now where a lot of people um, and even people that are kind of, um, I would say, more supportive of laissez-faire, you know, I think in the whole Facebook and the elections here in the U.S., I think uh, a lot of people and, uh, you know, for better or worse, majority rules uh, is looking for uh, perhaps introducing regulation to to regulate uh certainly social media but you know technology in general gets you know if you're if you're not if you don't live this world day to day you just see technology is just this big massive world and so when people say the tech world and they they you talk about regulating i think you think obviously everything goes under that bubble um nerds like myself will will delineate will carefully demarcate things well that's this that's that's social media that's that's tech that's internet of things these are different but in most people's mind um tech is tech is tech especially when you start you know when you can take your um you know your walking and your uh, fitness tracker and connect it to facebook through the internet and post your things you know most people don't see how that you know there that there is no line of demarcation so we'll see um Again, this is a a I I get regulating the businesses to be good behavior, but the bad guys again, they're, they're, you can't you can engineer security. It's one thing to do privacy; it's another thing to do security. I guess is my point. Um, maybe that's a, maybe that's a little myopic or whatever but i think the point is certainly regulating the business to be honest is one thing but to think that you're going to regulate security to where the designers the engineers actually build it's not that they're not trying to build things i guess in most cases i don't think they are people are trying to not build in security it's just it's reality of the complexity of, of these systems even something as simple as your your you know fitness tracker um but we'll see so We'll see what California's success is. Um, if nothing else, if it encourages better behavior on the business side, then I guess uh, I guess I can be for it. We'll see. All right. One store down. Next, what do we have? Oh, so talking about vulnerabilities and being good behavior and that kind of stuff. So Arduino, a couple weeks back, introduced their vulnerability disclosure um policy i guess so basically um 
a few months ago, they they hired their first uh, CISO chief information security officer um, and trying to come up with a security program that, you know, which I, I hats off to it because, um, you know, Arduino is an open source, um, you know, hardware developer. And so, you know, some, some engineers espouse, you know, security through obscurity, even though that doesn't, not saying that it is the, the foolproof answer, but certainly the idea of making whatever you can do to make the life of a hacker or a, I wouldn't say hacker an attacker harder, um, you know, some engineers think that is actually a good, you know, it's basically, yeah, it's not the end all be all solution, but it's better than nothing. Right. So living in a world where you're a developer that, that basically says, Hey, look, here's all my designs. You don't have to reverse engineer anything and, and, you know, potentially be, be, um, you know, vulnerable for an attacker to find a way to exploit something. It seems like it's a pretty, a pretty lofty job, pretty, um, big job. So anyway, um, let's go ahead and read, uh, the statement here. It says, uh, and this is all oh, I should say that, um, so was it, uh, posted by, oh, they don't give the name. G What's his name? Giovanni. Oh my gosh. Gianluca Verisco. I probably just butchered that name. Um, obviously Arduino, uh, came out of Italy, so I don't speak or even really have a good feeling. So anyway, the new CISO writes, um, today I'm thrilled to announce the first release of Arduino's coordinate vulnerability disclosure policy. Uh, we have some great reference we're putting together. And this reason I wanted to talk about this was some of their, what they're using as their baseline is hacker one's VDP guidelines, SEPS report on software vulnerability disclosure in Europe and the U S department of justice, cybersecurity units, VDP, again, vulnerability disclosure policy framework. We took into consideration the recent Senate testimony of experts of invulnerability disclosure and the role of hackers complaints, strengthening security Dropbox's announcement on protecting researchers in 18 F, which I believe is GSA's. I think is like their little internal, um, innovation cell. Uh, which is a government U.S. GSA. Uh, I wanted to um, personally thank Amit Elazri Bar on a doctoral law candidate at UC Berkeley. I guess he was helping um, to uh, to work on this. So, um, you know, the idea is there's if if you're a researcher, right? If you're a security researcher, and you find a vulnerability. Um, we're still in this great world where depending on who you're, you're, uh, researching or, or whose products you're looking at, you might get slapped with it. Well, you know, the idea of you're researching it, you're not doing it for nefarious purposes, but this thing is you still in some people's mind hacked them. So there to, so, um, people are, are, and this unfortunately is it leads to then if people do find a vulnerability, they don't disclose it. Um, which really just makes everyone at vulnerable. So basically this whole policy is to help s tell the developer community, Hey, um, you know, we're, we're going to, to put in the legal framework to protect everyone involved so that people can disclose security vulnerabilities without feel, uh, or the fear of the legal ramifications that some have felt. So anyway, kudos to Arduino. Um, I think this is a part, a long part of their, uh, professionalization. Um, 
some engineers will degree that disagree that uh, Arduino has you know life beyond the maker DIY community. I think completely the opposite. Um, whether or not they become a mainstay, I think certainly though they they have been and will continue to shape the industry as a whole um, into making products um, kind of less you know or embedded electronics to be. Uh, less magic, less black box, less voodoo required, and something that's more um, approachable by, yes, DIY, but also uh, professional engineering community as well. So anyway, that's that. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so talking about security. So Tesla, if you do own a Tesla, if you're lucky enough to own a Tesla, um, I guess they had their uh, their little, your, your little key fob to get in. Um was was hackable so basically uh and this is this is one where is is much more likely that it could happen you know a lot of these you know iot vulnerabilities like there's so many caveats as to what actually has to occur um you know that the likelihood while it's technically feasible the likelihood is kind of low but this one was actually um uh, pretty pretty simple. Basically, I guess you know the key fob is wireless. It detects when you get close to your car. Um, so basically, you know your car's always listening. Your device is always sending. Your little key fob sending out. If you're if you're a bad guy, you can just sit, basically sit outside your person's house. Eventually, with some pretty inexpensive hardware. I'm guessing maybe like a hack RF one, but I'm not sure. Uh, uh, capture those those codes and then um, replay. Then you can to uh um open the car steal the car and go uh i think tesla if i recall correctly they did there is you can purchase a new updated there's a key fob and a software update you've got to do um to protect you from this but um the point is it you know anything um you know vulnerabilities exist it's just reality um, and going back to the illustrator of being able to engineer it out, was this something that Tesla should have designed front at the first? I don't know. I don't know if this was something that was like, there's just the idea of the lack of imagination. You, you Sometimes there's so many things, there's so many things you're trying to accomplish that um, you, you miss little obvious things. Um, so I, I don't try to bash the fact that... Uh, Technology is complex, and we are still in a very early stage of of figuring out how to integrate security into design versus just being a bolt-on kind of um, mindset. Moving on, let's see here. What else do we have? Boom, boom, boom. Talked about that one. The mess less. Oh, it's now legal to hack to hack DRM to repair your own devices. I think this was. The U.S. Postal or U.S. is either the Library of Congress or was it U the Patent and Trademark Office? Uh, bum, bum, bum. Let's see here. Let's see here. This comes to us from Gizmodo and a blow to manufacturers that use DRM protections, digital rights management to prevent customers from tinkering with their own property. The Library of Congress has adopted new rules that went in effect of October 28th of this year to hack software of their devices for the purposes of now performing repairs. Um, it is part of the, uh, you know, right to repair movement that basically says, you know, where, you know, you should 
you know, if you buy something, then the manufacturer goes under or stops supporting, you should have the right to be able to fix your, um, your whatever product you bought, which, you know, in a purely mechanical world, you know, people have been fixing their cars, their lawnmowers, whatever, um, forever. You do, you know, if, if you've got the means and the know-how to fix it, you should be able to fix it. When software started in embedded firmware, everything, when everything basically started becoming software-based or having some level of software, that became a lot harder of a thing to do. And for a lot of folks, that was a lot of companies, that was a way to lock you into, um, you know, repair uh, service agreements and other things that basically said, Hey, yeah, you can basically, you can fix your stuff if it's a purely a mechanical issue, um, hardware issue, but you couldn't really do anything for software. Now, um, you know, the, the language is to write to repair. Is it really, you know, so you could argue is adding features or making it work for you hacking to be able to add features is that still right to repair? You're repairing to a state greater uh, than when you bought it. I think that's still probably uh, great. And of course, obviously, uh, the law also makes it uh, it has to have been lawfully acquired. Um, you know, not to say that you can basically, I'm assuming what the intent there was to, you can't steal something and then hack it so that there's no trace that, you know, you didn't purchase it. Um Anyway, rewrite serial numbers or something. I don't know. But uh, it's a step in the forward. I think, uh, you know, we've had small victories in there. I know that this came out of, um, there was John, was it a John Deere story, how farmers recently got screwed on something else where um, something similar, John Deere, or I guess a tr- one of the, like the trade, one of the trade groups, um, that represents farmers um, kind of capitulated to John Deere and said, um, you know, you can't re- repair. Um, you have to bring it into a, a licensed, whatever certified John Deere repair um, versus you know, hooking up to a laptop with a USB cable and doing fixes and changes to yourself and modifying. So I think what happened was the, the trade, tra- I think it was like the trade industry group kind of backed John Deere and, and the tech industry over the rights of farmers, um, which I think it got a bunch of farmers, especially those who, if you, you know, a lot of people don't realize that how really, cutting edge and a lot of innovative farming is with especially internet of things and technology um really just doing just do like iot farming google that you'll see how much work's being done out there so anyway um i don't know how this this uh, library of congress rule or regulation affects that decision but uh certainly i hope uh everyone has a right to repair the stuff that you bought and that includes hardware as well as the software. Uh, right. So let's keep going on here. We've talked about, we haven't talked about the Arduino. It's new hardware. Uh, if you haven't heard, a new Raspberry Pi um, 
model launched here recently. It's the Raspberry Pi 3 model A+. So um, the B, model B is the one that tends to people. Everyone kind of knows it's the $35 uh, credit card sized uh, HDMI. It's got the GPIO pin header. That tends to be the one that most people, I think, associate with Raspberry Pi. The, the Model A is actually a little bit smaller. Uh, it sacrifices, uh, basically, you have one USB port instead of four. Uh, and I think it gives up the Ethernet jack as well. But then you shave 10 bucks off. So it's definitely, I think it's more geared to people that are building more embedded devices. Uh, leveraging the to then uh, people that use the B-plus models more like using it as a, a computer. Uh, so if you haven't heard it, check it out. It's uh, 25 bucks. And I think it's on sale. Yeah, it's on sale now. Yeah, same specs as the B+. Um, 64-bit quad-core processor, 1.4 gigahertz clock speed, uh, 2.4 and 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. Um, yeah, and emits the Ethernet and only one USB port. So check it out if you're interested. Um, boom, boom, boom. Let's see here some some other things. Dragos, so that's a I think it's a Maryland-based company up by uh, my old stomping grounds up here by BWI. Uh, they're a company cybersecurity firm that just raised thirty-seven million dollars to help do research into securing industrial systems. Um, that's kind of my my kind of niche field, cybersecurity with with the respect to building automation and whatnot. So that's cool that, um, I think again, we've, we've been getting, we've, we were serious. We about getting with cybersecurity or cybersecurity is starting to get serious in the business sense. And, you know, your websites, I know when your, you know, target breaches people that I think recently here, you have, I think 500 million people got attacked or there's, um, Marriott got attacked the hotel chain. And I think it was like 500 million people's, uh, information got leaked out so you know that's the thing is it still happens even though we've obviously over the last few years have put a lot more uh social pressure on companies as well as um you know just a general people don't you know companies generally don't want to get attacked um now you know that's the business system your traditional your website your servers that kind of stuff but we haven't really done so much with uh, building automation and in the in the physical infrastructure and how much that stuff is um, in some ways more vulnerable. You know, we're all of us are now kind of like used to buying a new phone every two years, upgrading our computers every three or four years. Um, industrial systems, 20 years is, you know, is, is some ways sometimes is considered young. Uh so how do we do we build in a world where so security vulnerabilities are constantly uh, revealed, and yet we tend not to upgrade those systems, but you know, every twenty, thirty, some years. So uh, we I don't think no one's really kind of cracked that nut yet. So, um, bum, bum, bum. so speaking about so we've talked about Arduino, we've talked about industrial control. Let's bring those two worlds together. So a and we talked about Raspberry Pi. Um, so we'll bring those three stories together. Um, Arduino here recently released the Arduino Pro Gateway for LoRa, which is long range Wi-Fi. I think 
Um, there's a couple different flavors of, of technologies and protocols, but the idea is, um, in industrial settings, especially, uh, again, talking, actually we talked about farming too, right? We long distance, um, you, you traditional Wi-Fi just, you know, doesn't, doesn't get you, uh, much distance. So there's others, there's other communications protocols out there to kind of, to help with that. And, uh, again, if you're, if you say Arduino is solely a, you know, consumer facing organization, then why waste time with what they've done here recently with, you know, building a, uh, hardware to support the CAN bus that is used by cars and, uh, um, or automobiles or any sort of vehicles, drones, uh, they released their RS-485, which is used for, again, industrial control systems. That's a communicate a serial communications protocol. Um, and now with the whole LoRa and other um, Wi-Fi um, or alternative communicate, I wouldn't say Wi-Fi, alternative to Wi-Fi for more industrial uses, um, certainly I think they're making a pitch. Now, the interesting also thing about this is that the box, so basically it's an Arduino uh, it's the, the, their new, their maker form factor, the MKR form factor when 1300, it's using 868 megahertz, uh, radio. It's, I guess this one's geared towards the, uh, they say EU version. So I'm guessing European union, I guess that's a, a standard more for the EU or that frequency range. Um, but the, the receiving end, the gateway is actually an Arduino, an Arduino, uh, B three B plus. Um, all right. So, uh, instead of me stumbling upon myself, so with their, uh, they're marketing it as is, uh, as an ideal solution for a wide range of applications, automated meter reading, environmental monitoring, smart cities, home and building automation, wireless alarm and security systems, industrial monitoring and control, long range irrigation system and agricultural monitoring. That sounds like a lot of professional use cases in my humble opinion. Um, let me continue here. The gateway can be used globally and enables multiple channel, multiple channel management by supporting advanced features like listen before talk. It allows users to transmit at higher power on the first free channel, achieving longer ranges than conventional gateways for LoRa. The gateway features an advanced Mbit EMB LR1301 micro PCIe, uh, module. Uh, hosted by a Raspberry Pi 3 B plus uh, comes with a, an aluminum enclosure. The gateway was pre-installed with an optimized packet forward and a carrier grade network server for LoRaWAN that is running on the Arduino cloud provided by A2A smart city. So I'll have to look into what that is, but don't get wrapped around. Oh, the other thing is it's uh, this package, which again comes with the, the Arduino running and the additional hardware and the software, it's 350 pounds, pounds or euros, 350 euros, um, which again, we're, we're certainly, I think, which is about what, 400, yeah, currently about 400 US dollars. So um, certainly that's a cost where, but again, this, the hint of Arduino making a pivot to professional use cases uh, you know, it's certainly conceivable that someone could 
you know, for personal projects, spend that money. If it was something like, uh, you know, if you had like your own, if you had a greenhouse or something, but then again, the question is really, would you, it's, you know, the, the point is it's, it's the distance. It's like the, the whole goal of this is to, is to, um, cover vast quantities of, of land, real estate. Um, and I, again, I don't know, and maybe it's just lack of imagination, a lot of personal use cases, uh, for that, that couldn't be met with, um, just your, your, your run of the mill Wi-Fi. Anyway, um, boom, 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 boom. let's see here. I think we've talked about everything. There is a, uh, if you're into, um, I won't go into it much, but if you're into, um, uh, model trains, uh, there is a, a protocol that has been made or available called the Universal Railway Bus that runs on uh, Arduino. That's on the Arduino Project Lab if you're interested. I thought that was kind of cool. Not a big... I'm into the idea of getting um, miniatures, making miniatures of anything. Either you're making stuff for um, like Dungeons & Dragons or for cosplay or um the, you know the guess model railroading um and so anything to make uh you know to add a little bit of you know electronics and magic to that kind of stuff is pretty cool so i'll share that if you're interested um and i think that's the big story so uh, obviously it's the uh time of year it's the holidays it's uh so we have christmas hanukkah kwanzaa festivus um uh, i'm not sure uh when i don't think ramadan falls it's on a different calendar but anyway the idea is it's the holiday seasons new year's will be here so people uh this tends to be the time of year uh right wrong or different capitalist or not uh and i will say guilty i am i'm a capitalist by nature um that people buy stuff and hopefully for gifts but if not you know uh so been looking for alternative like you know you can go on amazon and buy kind of the, uh, you know, whatever the, the your normal commercial line products, but uh, been looking around for some more non traditional purchases. You know, there's obviously Kickstarter, um, Indiegogo. I've also been playing around with uh, Tindy uh, and Crowd Supply, which is more for specifically like um, places to um, somewhere some of them it's in between like a mix of of a, of a traditional quote-unquote store and, um, you know, early investment, kind of like with Kickstarter. And uh, so found some cool things on there. Um, one is, and I think they've set up their own website now. Uh, I think it was, I found it on Tindy originally, or maybe it was Crowd Supply. But uh, USB Ninja. So a few years ago, you may have heard there was a, a, a piece of... Um, uh, hardware to do penetration testing called a bad USB. Well, now they're remaking it, adding some new functionality and um, putting it all into a, uh, what basically it looks like a USB cable and, but inside is uh, embedded electronics that basically serves kind of like if people, if you're familiar with the bash money or um, the rubber ducky from, um, 
Pack Five, which was featured on the at least the the rubber ducky was featured on, um, uh, what was it? The hacking TV show. Um, damn it, Mr. Robot. Um, this one it's it's kind of cool. There, it's Bluetooth enabled, so you can control it remotely with the, either a smartphone app or the, you can buy um, a little remote control. Uh, but it also has like a magnet um, to enable or disable the the functionality, right? So you run a little magnet over it to enable. Um, so I'm assuming there's like a little um, some sort of magnetic sensor. I don't know if it's like a read relay or something. I don't know. Uh, it has to be something. I would guess it has to be semi because it's tiny. It's fitting it in there, so it's probably like a semiconductor based. But um, if you're into penetration testing, basically you you can hook up this this device. You can put a payload onto it, again, like Rubber Ducky, and then leave it hanging around. People plug it into their computer, can plug into their device. But um, basically, it's a way to uh, do some... Um, I, I, will, I always say I'm a, I'm a white hat kind of guy. So, you know, penetration testing, security inspection, seeing what's vulnerable. Um, certainly, though, it can be used for nefarious purposes if you were so inclined. But... Um, Check it out. They have a, it's usbninja.com is their own website now. Um, and there's different levels of products based on one of the, what I can tell is it looks like um, how far, how much range do you want the Bluetooth? If you need something, you just, your hands on or do something that you can activate remotely from a great distance, then the prices go up. Uh, some other things on crowd supply that you might want to take a considered taking a look at some things I've, I've circled on my Santa's wish list. Um, the tiny, um, tiny FPGA BX. I think it launched a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago. Um, but if you're looking to getting into the um, embedded world with field programmable gate arrays, it's certainly something to take a look at. Uh, the Arduino Viter Viter 4000 is another opportunity. Um, there is also, uh, and this is one I've I've looked at, and I haven't haven't taken a deep dive, but basically it's called I2C Driver. It's an easy to use tool for controlling I squared C devices, um, and I think what it basically is, it's you can um, basically it kind of lets you bit bang the I2C, um, but says that it's it can help to, it makes it a lot easier to debug i2c devices without um you know like today imagine if you had like an i2c sensor an i squared c i2c or i squared c what do people say i say both interchangeably depending on i guess uh, uh i don't know what how tired i am or how much bourbon i've drank um but you know you would you basically the idea is you would have to take an embedded board like a microcontroller, write some test code or find some test code and um, test the, the the device under test that way. This is a piece of hardware that basically it's like a universal test piece without having to write your code. So you can plug this in, then you can interact with your I2C devices via your PC and kind of do some testing of um, the, you know, the the device without having to write custom hardware or custom drivers or, or even if you search for a library and, and, and basically, you know, a lot of times the t- test code out there is it 
probably most people know. It's, you know it, it shows off the highlights off some of the uh, the functionality, but it usually doesn't show everything. Um, when you're down to this, this, this device, the I2C what they call it, driver um, by X Camaro Labs, and um, it's actually it's actually pretty reasonable. It's um, twenty nine bucks. So it looks like it has like a again USB port on one side. Looks like three. Looks like it can talk up to three devices at once. I'm guessing, and there's a little uh, LCD display on there, so you can actually see. Um, you know, you basically you, you can toggle the memory locations, um, and see real time how that affects the uh, the output to the uh, I squared C device under test. So for twenty nine bucks, I don't I don't uh, think it's probably a worthwhile piece of of test kit if you do a lot of I squared C um, devices. All right, and last and the thing I have ordered but haven't received yet. Um, is uh, micro art you the micro the, the the Greek symbol for micro art a r t um, it's a uh, USB based UART translator. So on one hand, you plug in your computer, um, and that talks USB. The other side talks uh, UART serial. Um, and this one promises to be kind of like the last one you'll ever need. It's, it, it'll be a, a universal. So instead of buying things, and there's a few out there that you can do today, but um, it looks that, um, and I'll, you know what, let's just let them say. So it's no secret there are many UART develop adapters on the market. So you might ask, what's the point of creating yet another one? The unfortunate reality is that despite the general usefulnesses of such devices, none of them seem able to solve associated problems in general and in a reliable way. Consequently, most engineers, and I'm guilty, have a collection of them lying around. Uh, things like the voltage changes in the voltage ranges, things additional pins for handshake and firmware flashing pins. Um, maybe one other one here says is, is is isolated, or maybe you have a separate USB isolator, which tends to be expensive. Um, and a few have, of course, obviously quirks um, to get them to work. So the point is, um, these are folks, obviously engineers that have dealt with the pain. They're like, hey, you know, I'm tired of dealing with um, having to have, you know, I'll carry around a, a, a toolbox of different devices, which, you know, toolboxes in general aren't bad, but when you're carrying around a toolbox of basically 55 different hammers, um, they're, they're saying, well, they're all kind of do the same basic functionality. Why can't we make something that, um, that supports um, a lot more than just single use cases. So again, I've, I have, um, I don't know if you say if you kickstart it or what do you do when crowd supply, but basically I've backed it. Um, I haven't received it. They say that the uh, orders will be shipping um, by the end of this year. So we'll see, but I want to bring it up now because it is the season. If nothing else, you could, uh, if you want to buy something for the little nerd in your life, you could uh, buy it and put a little picture or something or in a box and say, hey, you're getting this eventually. Um, and I think that's all I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I'm at 38 minutes, which is kind of my goal is to do these at 30 minutes. So um, I think that's all the stories. 
So it'll probably be another, maybe spring when you hear from me again. But I am doing um, pretty good with writing at least weekly articles that go up on EE Catalog, or excuse me, monthly cat, uh, monthly that goes up on EE Catalog. Um, and then I've just got a bunch of blogs talking about um, Internet of Things and communications uh, over on um, mauser.com slash blog. And what else do we have? Oh, we just did a cool project with, um, I won't go into too much details, but uh, just imagine um, a, a Galilean thermometer, but built with 21st century bedded electronics. So that's going to be a cool project that's going to come out uh, to show some uh, some work on sensors, embedded uh, Internet of Things. We're going to we're going to take our data and send it up to the cloud. So check that out. That should be coming out soon on Mauser as well. Um, and then we're going to actually start a uh, an Arduino Vitor, the FPGA board. We're going to start a project with that. Um, details coming soon. Um, but it's exciting. It's it's basically brand new hardware. It's kind of like when the the, the Arduino Yoon came out and there's a bunch of new concepts to learn. Um, talking between the 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 you know the the CPU the that ran the Linux kernel, the ran Linux operating system, and then uh, the um, the traditional microcontroller that did your traditional Arduino like stuff. So there's certainly with the FPGA now. Uh, it's kind of like that too. There's a lot new, there's different concepts. Um, they're still flushing it out. I think it's still kind of like a work in progress for them, uh, for Arduino. And we're going to kind of see what we can, how much damage we can do, uh, while it's kind of like still in this beta phase. So look for that too. That'll be one, uh, with Mauser as well. And, uh, with that, I will go ahead and shut up. So thank you all very much for listening. Um, Check us out, gearsofresistance.com. It's the holidays, and this is the time of the year when I tend to actually be available and do things online. So we might get back on Twitch and work on some projects uh, over the winter break. Um, show off some tools and, and tips and things that we've learned over the year, this past year, and uh, do some new projects. So uh, thank you all very much for listening. Gearsofresistance.com, check that out. And uh, till next time, stay quirky, keep it steamy, and I feel like I was going to say something different now, but I can't remember. So thanks for watching. And, uh, see you next time.